Welcome back to the Original Judo Podcast. It has been a huge few weeks in judo with Paris and Dusseldorf happening very recently. We've had the announcement of the Japanese team for the Olympics and just this last weekend we've had the Morocco Grand Prix cancelled. So a big part of the podcast was uh, pretty much out of there as soon as we recorded it, which obviously took place a couple of weeks ago. Tom Reed is back on the show and we look back on Paris and Dusseldorf and everybody losing their shit about Teddy losing and then we go on to make our predictions for what the Japanese men's team will look like which obviously as I've mentioned was announced just a couple of days later. If you carry on you're going to see we weren't a million miles away with our picks. The, the surprises I guess for me were in both the lightweight categories um, I was surprised that the selectors thought Tanaki and Takato were the clear choices, you know, and then didn't want to go to the All Japan Championships. So at 60s, I think Nagayama is at least as effective as, as Takato, and either one could go on to win the games. Whilst at 48s for me, obviously Tanaki's been top of the pile for a while, but doesn't seem to have the beating of uh, Belodid, you know, and there's two or three other women in the wait for the Japanese in the same kind of situation and I'm surprised though that they didn't give Sonoda another shot you know she won the Grand Prix in Tel Aviv at the start of this year it's only like a third or fourth run out at 48 since moving down from 52s and I think she's also the only Japanese woman at 48s without a loss to blooded on the record um anyway Enjoy the show. The recording's a bit rough. We had to, I had to record on the go. You know, it's in the car. Uh, but it was great to have Tom back on again. And enjoy. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Original Judo Podcast. I'm James Austin, and I am joined today by the one and only Tom Reed. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good, James. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a, it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast, and. Uh, I think a, a lot's changed in your personal life. Yeah, it has been a while. I think you were meant to have me on for the World Championships, um, and I was still in Abu Dhabi at the time, so I kept cancelling on you. And you did a really good, you did a really good job of pretending that I recorded the middle segment, and then it never came. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it never happened. Um, but yeah, I'm back back in the UK now, so I'm back, and I've started working back in judo, which I'm loving. So I'm coaching um, in Team Bath. I'm the assistant coach there since January tip. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Three years away in Abu Dhabi. Good bit of experience outside of judo. Good to get away after retiring and sort of try something different. But now, yeah, very happy to be back and back to coaching. Fantastic. And um, back at Bath, which is obviously where you were training as, a, as an athlete, how's that being the other side of the fence? It's awesome. I'm actually in the office right now looking over the dojo. <laughs> so it's cool. I mean, I think the good thing for me, because I think one of the challenges always if you go from uh, player to coach is that transition especially if you're coaching people that you used to train with um yeah and the good thing is being away for three years there's been you know the team's changed a lot uh, so there's, there's probably four or five people that i trained with and um, you know Fletcher and Greg Ferry and people like that but most of the players here they don't know me as an athlete they see me as a coach um, which i think helps helps a lot um so no it's, it's awesome like first coming back i, I stayed really involved in you i've watched a lot of you and done a little bit of coaching, but I hadn't done a lot of coaching at you know high performance sort of daily training level. So the first few weeks, I felt like a little bit of a 
you know, a bit of an imposter, I guess. And I, I was sitting down before sessions and writing my lesson plans out and being you know, really meticulous because I was just not in the flow of doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably how you should be all the time. But <laughs> no, definitely much more in the swing of things now. And, yeah, really enjoying it. Getting, getting good sort of good feedback from the players. I think it's, they've gone through a lot of change. Obviously, we had um, Jürgen Klinger as our coach for the last 14 years he was here. And he's yeah. such a big character and such a big personality. It's a real sort of a real change in the university. Um, you can feel that change. Mm-hmm. But I think we've done a good job of kind of moving forward, you know, keeping what we think is good, but moving forwards. Um, and like we were chatting before just now, we got into Bucks last week and got come out with really good results. So I think it's a really good sort of sign that, you know, it gives the players confidence in the new the new programme, if you know, if you know what I mean. Like I think if we'd gone into Bucks and done done badly, it could have, you know, planted any seed of doubt and then it's, you know, it's, is the change a good change and all that sort of stuff. But the fact we did well, I think it's it's really positive and gives everyone, including us as coaches, gives us confidence. Fantastic. So what did you think of us? Like, obviously, I coach uh, University of Nottingham, and I'd yeah. like to say we're rivals, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, well, you have the very professional full-time setup, and Nottingham have hired an, an idiot, myself, <laughs> to, um, to run their, their club. Um, but as an event, Bucks itself is it's a lot of fun. You've got the Q-grade section and the, the Dan-grade section, and the quality of judo across both is for me, it's always like it's super exciting. It's really phenomenal. A lot of fun. Yeah, and I think it's improving. I think, you know, I did bucks for four years in a row, and I probably had one or two years where I had hard fights. You know, the standard wasn't what it is now. If I look at eighty ones now, there's, there's some really strong fights. Um, maybe that's a sign that judo players are getting more intelligent and actually doing university courses. I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, it, it, it's the standard is good, and it gives. Is it obviously it's. For a lot of our players, it's not the thing they're aiming for ultimately, but it is a good marker on the way. And for us, it's like a massive thing to bring the team together. I think we've got a lot of new freshers this year, and it's sort of they've come out of that event, especially fighting in the team event where they've done really well and they've won one gold. But it's brought them together really well, and that's that's a big part of it. It's not you know, it's how it creates team bars as a team, and also getting those Q grades as well. So the ones we have our full time group, then we have our student group. And they don't really train together a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the things we did in the lead up to this Bucks is we did have one session a week where they were trained together. Um, and I, I do think it's made a difference. Like the whole experience of Bucks, we did feel like we were one team a lot more than we have in previous years. I remember going to Bucks as an athlete and not knowing like some of the Bath players that come from the student group. I've never oh, seen okay. So I think that was nice to bring everyone together as a team. The tournament itself, in terms of the running of it, was was, was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sharing the venue with karate was was uh, not ideal, but it is what it is. It is, yeah, and it's. I think it's similar issues every year. They've got they end up with a load of players. I think across bucks, there's always pressure for space from all the different sports and. Mm. It was interesting sharing the venue with karate this year, but um, I think it ran well. I think it was good. I don't know my guys enjoyed it. Didn't quite get all the results we wanted, but we did have some phenomenal performances, Q grades and Dan grades, and uh, great to see. Yeah, it's awesome. And we're going to organise a little Nottingham versus Bath team event off the back of it. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm very confident of that. We yeah. should def- we, st- we should try and get some dates in mind and then go back to go back yeah, yeah. to. We've said yeah. it on podcast now. It has to happen. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, so today, the rest of the show, uh, we're gonna try and have a quick review of uh, Paris and Dusseldorf. I've not watched much of. Uh, Dusseldorf. I've seen some of the results and I've, I've caught a few pieces, but I watched, you know, quite a bit of Paris. But the main thing I wanted to talk about is I want to start looking at that Japanese Olympic team. You know, we're, we're getting into that final run into Tokyo, and there's, there's a lot of countries who've got selection headaches, I guess, uh, in in one or two places. But I think that Japanese team for the men and for the women. In every single way, they have multiple potential medalists, you know, multiple potential Olympic champions in some ways. Um, it'd be great to get some predictions down about who will be at the Games, who's going to be on that roster for that team. So I wanted to start today with you. We'll go through the men's team. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm hoping to get uh, some, someone on and we'll, we'll go over that, that women's team as well. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay, so how do you want to do it, James? Do you want to just run through like from 60s and go up like that? Um, let's let's start with Paris and uh, Dusseldorf. Did you what what was the big stories from the two events for you? What what have you seen most of all? Well, I was in I was actually in Paris. Um, when I was oh wow! With, yeah, I was, went out with Adam Hall and um, Jan Gashewski, and uh, as always, absolutely awesome competition. Just like the the, the crowd and the venue and. I just, whenever I watch that, I think what it must be like to be French and compete in Paris and do well. Like the reception they get is unbelievable. There's the, uh, the 90s player, uh, Clerget. Yeah. He loves Paris. Like every year he does well there and just seems to feed off the crowd. Um, must be just an awesome, awesome feeling to be there. Um, but obviously, like, we can't talk about Paris, stories in Paris without talking about the big one first, which is probably um, Teddy Rina. Losing his first fight in ten years was it? 154 fights unbeaten before. It it is a crazy record. It it is ten years. I think I was in Tokyo in 2010. I think it was September of the 2010 when he lost on flags to yeah. Kamakawa. Kamakawa, yeah, the same. I was there for. Were you there? Well, yes, yeah. I mean, was it was, was it the world? It was the world, wasn't it? Yeah, been there for both his losses. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what, did you see the fight? I did see the fight, yeah. And actually, it was to be fair to him, Andy Burns did call it before, um, which I probably I've done about ten times as well. Said, "Oh, he's going to lose this," and he never does. So, you can't really say too much about that. But to be fair to him, he did say, "I think he's going to lose to this this Caguero," uh, because I think he fought him before, hadn't he? Quite recently, and it had been quite a close fight, gone to golden score. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the weird thing for me about the fight was. Like you could see in the fight that it could have gone, that there was that feeling that actually this could be the one that he loses. It did feel a little bit different. The Japanese player just looked like he was he was being clever in the fight. He wasn't getting too intimidated. He wasn't changing what he was doing. He was sort of waiting for his chance. Um, but the weird thing was like when he lost, it kind of didn't feel as big as I thought it would feel. It didn't feel as much of a big deal. I don't know if you've got that feeling. Like being in the stadium anyway, it kind of, you thought that it would just send the whole place into silence and then it would, you know, ruin the atmosphere, but it kind of did create a bit of silence and then everyone just clapped and then it was just like any other fight really. It was quite weird in that sense. 
do you think that's because there it is Paris and there's enough other home fighters uh, for the crowds to get behind? Because obviously you had the French women's team on that last day um, picked up the 78s and the plus 78s titles. Was that Malonga and Dicko? Yeah. So yeah. things were going well for them across the other categories. Yeah. Or do you think it's a reflection of where Teddy is in his career? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Probably what you say about the, the, the women's potentially does make a difference, but it is still Teddy. It is still the big, you know, the big name. So that is the one that most people there seem to be there to see. Like I went out afterwards, um, just into the sort of um, concourse area to get a coffee, and he came out, and it's all about Teddy. Like he is the man in Paris. Like you know, hundreds of people crowding around him. Um, but yeah, I think maybe people did sense that it was going to come at some point as well maybe people yeah. felt that because his performances hadn't been as convincing as previously um, maybe that's part of it as well um, I personally like the, the interesting thing now is what happens next because a few people yeah. said I kind of agree is that it might actually be the best thing for him before the game yeah Cause so I'm from that perspective as well yeah. I think that I think I said about two years ago when the podcast started that he was going to lose. And I think I predicted it was going to be um, Kapalik who beat him. And uh, Chris Millwood had said he thought it'd be Tushishvili. Yeah. But we both thought that he'd lose between, between you know, during the Olympic cycle. And it's, I think it's probably a good thing for him to know that there's there are fighters out there who can compete with him. But not just compete, because he's had athletes who can compete with him over the last eight years, ten years. Mm. But athletes who can, you know, win, which is what they haven't managed to do recently. Yeah, I think two two things that hopefully will happen for him from his side is it gives him a bit of more motivation in training, the fact that he's lost the fight. Um, and also it just takes a bit of pressure off, him, off of him, because you can imagine that, that sense of pressure every time you go out, because he's not lost a fight in ten years, and... You know, everybody sort of wants to see, you know, not not in a nasty way, but people want to see somebody beat him. Yes. So that must be a hell of a lot of pressure. And I think you know, those two things, hopefully it'll be good for him. And, and that'll be good for the for us as well as spectators, because you know, it has got a little bit boring watching him win all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's good to go into those games knowing that he can, he can lose. And, they, you know, it's interesting. It might be a different person that, that wins it. Oh, okay, okay. Who do you think uh, looks likely for that Olympic Olympic crown? Who are going to be his big rivals? Um, I still think he's probably the favourite. Um, and then Tushish Billy, I'd say, would be a medalist. Um, and then Dutch have got quite a headache as well. It looks like Grohl's coming through now. Um, there, was a, there was a little period where Roy Mayer was kind of on a really good form, I think. Yeah. Grohl lost first fight in Dusseldorf, and then yeah. Mayer got lost for bronze. So, you know, yeah. it's not quite as straightforward as, you know, Grohl wins Paris and Mayer Luke gets seventh. Yeah, yeah. But the next week, yeah, the reverse situation almost. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Grohl would be, well, one of those two. If I, was to, I think Grohl's, what is he, double Olympic medalist? So maybe yeah. he's got, just the fact he's sort of done it before, maybe, maybe just edges him ahead a little bit. Um, ahead of the other Dutch player but either one of those is going to be there or thereabouts um, and then Japan as well obviously Kagera's beat beat Teddy but then also Har- Harasawa I think is actually higher in the rankings and has got 
couple of world medals in the last two world championships. So they might not even. I mean, I would imagine they would go with Kaguya now, but it's not. It's not done. You know what I mean? Well, we'll save we'll save that for the the conversation later because yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a I do think that's a really interesting point. Yeah, yeah. So, what? Uh, what about you, James? What do you think for the plus in the, in the games? What's your predictions? I think it's going to be between Tushishvili and Kapalik. Oh, um, as the as the people who push Teddy, um, yeah. I think they're the smartest fighters at heavyweight, and they are. And Harasawa, to some degree, they're, they're leagues ahead of everyone else. Um, I like Gro. Uh, I like a couple of the big Brazilian lads, Silva and Moura. Mm-hmm. But I think they are a step behind those three, Kapalik, Rinna and Tushishvili. And I, I do think... I think Kapalik's been there before. Again, at the lighter weight category, but he's got the experience. He's a very intelligent fighter. He's relentless. He's got great knee wazza. Trishishvili can throw anyone. So I think it'll come down to those three for the title. Yeah, I think that, that's a good shout. The, the only thing about those two is, and I, I kind of agreed with what you said earlier, that if there was two that I thought would beat Teddy, it would have been those two ahead of Kagura. Mm-hmm. But... Especially after the, I think they both fought him the first time. It was really close, and they both could have definitely, um, definitely Tushish Vili, like really unlucky to lose the first fight against Rona. But then the next time they fought him, yeah, he just seemed to figure them out. He seems so good at that. You think that somebody's getting close to him, and they're going to beat him. And the next time they fight, he's uh, he's stepped up another dominant. gear. Yeah. yeah, figures them out. So we'll see what they come back with now. Definitely. But then also this um there's this this Russian Tesoev he's quite young I think yeah he's um he's dangerous as well so. I I like the Russian but against someone like Rinner he's got such a small frame okay um I think he's um I mean there's a there's a young Korean coming through that I raved about a few months ago and. Uh, but again, they're so small next to Rinna, and he's so so good, so used to fighting those small guys. And I, I know Kagura's a small frame as well, but I think he finds it easy to control the distance, to control those fights, really. What about um, wildcard, Naidan, Mongolia? You <laughs> <laughs> can never write him off. Do you know what? He could be there. It's not. It's not a terrible shout. He could be there, and uh, he's, he'll beat some people at sixty-five years of age. He will. He'll never write him off. And then <laughs> Sasson has come back recently, has he? And sort of yeah. found a better form again. So that's another one. It's 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 a really competitive category. Yeah. The last couple of years, it's really like strong. A lot more depth than previous Olympic cycles. Yeah. No, I really think so. I think it's. It is an exciting category at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, any other stories that jumped out at you from uh, Paris and Dusseldorf? Let me have a look. I'm just going through the results now. Um, I thought the I thought the 90 kilo Spanish boy was really good. I think he, him and the 60 kilo um, Japanese, just in terms of how they dominated their categories, I thought they were yeah. really they stood out. I think he showed just how good he is. That Spanish player, um, Sheridan Aspili. Yeah, I'm really impressed with him. It's not a surprise. I mean, he's obviously been very consistent, but just 
every time I watch him, I'm really impressed with how, you know, just how good he is. So I think when he first came through, it was a bit of a surprise, but he's just really backed it up and been so consistent since. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal player, obviously, and then world's champion. Yeah, world champion. Is he world champion world, last year? I think he's he's been world champion definitely at least once. World number one for a long, for quite consistently now for a long time. Um, yeah. yeah so, such a good player. And then I think hundreds, I was surprised with Palchek. I thought he, you know, in the final, I thought he, I didn't, Necessarily think the fight was refereed particularly well against Lucia, yeah. but um, no, Patrick was good results as well at the moment. So did he have Corel in the semi final? Uh, not sure, I'm not sure. I think, I think those two players for me are like very conventional, and I'm. I think they outperform themselves. They do the ABCs very, very well. Yeah. But I'm surprised that some of the more dynamic players, like the Lipitilianis, um don't beat them more frequently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, sometimes it's the, at the games where the players that sort of, yeah, have that, that more dynamic style, that's, I don't know, under that sort of spotlight, that's when, it, that's when they come through. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, but um, I think that Russian Adamian as well. He's he's really really exciting to watch. Oh, definitely, and you you've only got to throw a couple of the names in the Portuguese lad Fonseca. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, again under hundreds, very strong at the moment. One For the women, I don't like to admit it to Ben Fletcher um, because we have that rivalry of what's the strongest category. <laughs> But at the moment, well, for the last couple of years, 100 kilos has been just such a good weight category. Yeah. And, and the most exciting, I think, as well. I think 81s has changed a little bit. It's very strong, but not always as exciting as it used to be. I think the players at the top are a bit more sort of conventional, some of them. Um, but 100s, you see, the gripping is really strong. The throwing is like big throwing all the time. So it's a great category to watch. I think that 100s has doesn't have the depth of 81s, as in it doesn't have 30 players who on their day could be world or Olympic medalists. But I think that top 10, top 12, I think the quality is higher than pretty much every other weight category. And they're such a diverse array of nations in that top 20. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm I'm biased because... <laughs> That's your character. <laughs> most, most of them beat me. So, uh, uh, yeah. If you were to fight one of the sort of top ten boys in hundreds, I think we chatted about this a while ago. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But who would you fancy your chances against? Anyone who takes a grip on the lapel with their left hand. <laughs> power grip. Like, um, Carell does it sometimes. Power check does it sometimes. And I'm I'm only saying I think I'd have one good exchange against them. <laughs> then, sneaky coachy gack. Sneaky coachy gack, yeah. <laughs> nice. But I do. I think across that top ten, I think they they have they have a level of quality. And you know, you, you start looking at some of the other categories, and you instantly go, "Oh wow, I didn't realise this person was ranked number twelve." Um, I think, uh, was it Grigalashvili, the 81-kilo Georgian? 
yeah, who won yeah. Sudor for the weekend yeah. was number 16, number 18, something ridiculous yeah. like that. And then just, again, phenomenal depth of talent. The Georgians have, but again, at 81s, you, you can't write anyone off. No, no, it's, just, it's one of those categories, isn't it? If you have the competition, it's one of the hardest to predict. Um, yeah. The players have been really consistent, though. Like the, the Belgians, so consistent. Um, oh, Casse. Yeah, so consistent. Yeah. Uh, Canadian as well, about a Fortier. Yeah. Oh, well, Fortier, yeah, on the combat trail. Again, another yeah. one who might be 100 years old. <laughs> but, um, it's always around actually, the middle. I don't think he's that old, you know. I think he's oh, really? Pretty. I don't think he's even 30, um, but just such a good judo player like, yeah. and, just, and just continues to develop like, as he, you know, he's always getting better. Um, really impressive. I, I love watch. I love the way he fights. I think I love, I love his judo. Just, yeah, he's not, he's not miles stronger than anyone. He's not the most explosive, but he, you know, great movement, you know, great setups and just a big range of attacks that he can score with. Um, really good to watch. He's an exciting player. I think that's a bit, bit like, so, like you mentioned about the, doing the ABC as well, I, I sort of put Casse in that category. Yeah. Uh, quite simple judo, you know, quite low risk, a lot of drop drop COs and sort of, yeah. you know, low, low risk, relatively you know, low reward but safe judo. Um, and it's just and very strong and very very good on the grips and yeah, just consistently seems to win. You don't look at him and think he's absolute dynamite, but he just figures out a way to beat everybody. So, but he's a, he's one that. I'm not sure. I don't. I just don't know if I believe that. Even though he's consistently winning tournaments, I think he's number one in the rankings now. Um, I think he might be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'd pick him to win the games. Okay. Yeah. Who? So two questions. Who would you fight out of that uh, world top ten at eighty ones? And uh, who have you got down for winning the games? I think for winning the games, I think Nagase. And that answers later on in terms of selection. I just think he's, whenever he's in, they don't pick him that much. They've only just started sort of picking him in the last year. Um, he had a bit of time off the team, but I don't know why. He just wins. But he's just, and I just compare him to the other Japanese players. I just think he's the best one. Okay. I've, I've trained with him a lot when I've been out in Japan. And obviously, he's year, you know, four four years ago probably. So he's developed since then, and he's just he's, he's such a hard player to figure out. His gripping is so good. His balance is so good. Um, yeah, I think he's. I mean, he didn't win. I, I thought he would win um, in Rio. Just yeah. Oh, no, Rio, okay. Yeah, I picked him to win Rio, and he, and he, and he got him double bronze. So you never know on that stage. Maybe, maybe something would happen. But I think he's the best player. Um, and then who would I fight? I'm just looking at the rankings now. <laughs> Probably in terms of style, I would. I mean, even though it's a horrible fight, I might fight the Wick. Um, okay. Just because he comes on so so aggressive all the time, um, yeah. and he's quite tall, I think I might be able to get underneath him or uh, <laughs> yeah, use my bit of ashwas or you know. But um, that would be a horrible fight. I know how he, I know his style, and I know my fitness levels. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I would have to be similar to you. I'd have a couple of good exchanges. <laughs> might be. Excellent. I think. Um... Looking at the tournaments as a whole, the Japanese women across the both and the French women showed that certainly in front of the home crowd for the French, um, but they are on top form at the start of Olympic year. You know, 
Yeah. I think under 78s Malonga is definitely in with a shout of a medal. But then you've only got to look at is it Hamada this mm-hmm. last weekend who was ruthless, yeah. destroying the fields in Dusseldorf. Um, heavyweights return of uh, Dico, yeah. a heavyweight French girl. Yeah, uh, straight away looked like she's going to be in with a shout of pushing Ortiz or um, Sone, whoever the Japanese, or Asahina, whoever the Japanese take her to, to Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree. Um, I saw Dicko, I thought she was really good. Yeah, she looks she looked very dominant. Um, Malonga as well. Malonga's just so aggressive in that first minute. Just so powerful. I think she she does... She does seem to tire, so people can sort of stick with her in those first few minutes, and then she is beatable. But she just yeah. brings so much intensity to the start of the fight. How good she is on the sleeve and just throwing the arm. She just, yeah, looks like a nightmare to fight. Um, so. <laughs> um, were you surprised by the strength of the Uzbek team, or certainly the Uzbek men's team? Yeah. Got two wins in and a silver at 81s in Paris. Yeah, we were talking about this before, weren't we? Maybe it's um, the Iliadis effect. Yes. Maybe it just gives that confidence having somebody like that in your chair. But um, Uzbekistan have always been one of those nations who are, they have really strong players, but you don't see them that much, and they, or they don't have, you know, you don't see them on the roster that much, but they have strong players. Um, but yeah, they've come through. That I think one of those boys won another tournament recently. I think it was maybe Bobanov. Um, yeah. Might, might be a second one that he's won. Um, but yeah, really strong. And then Paul Tobias in 81s in Paris, really good as well. So yeah, so maybe, who knows? Who knows if it's the, the effect of Iliadis? Paul Tobias for Muki in, I don't know, quarterfinals or semifinals, something like that. And the first player for me that has, you know, made the Israeli look. I mean, he was in control of the whole fight. Mm-hmm. It was a traditional, bent-over, horrible style, but his throwing is beyond question. And Muki never really got involved, I didn't think. And then he obviously went on to, to win the silver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll, there'll be interesting ones to see probably for the games as well, because they're coming through a little bit later. Maybe that's you know a good thing to sort of come out of nowhere in the last year. I remember Voltebeyev in the last cycle, I think he was 73s, and he, I remember Jan Kaszewski fighting him in um, one of the last tournaments, and he was young and he wasn't a player that was close to going into the games at that point, but he did look like a nightmare, so not, <laughs> not too surprised now that he's come through and doing well. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, 81s in the games would be so hard to predict, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I hope that I'm right with my prediction for Nagase, but the other, the other medals, there's, there's a lot of players that could go and get those. So maybe the Uzbek, you never know. Definitely. Which, that's that's probably quite a nice segue into um, what we think that men's team is going to look like. Now, I have, I've got my list of players, um, and there's two or three, I think, that stand out at every weight category. <coughs> um... If we if we start lightweights, we go through to the to the heavyweights because I think the heavyweights is you know an interesting conversation off the back of Paris. Yeah. Um, 
let's let's look at 60 kilos. Over the last two Grand Slams, you've had two Japanese winners, Nagayama Takato, Takato, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, who do you go with? I think this is a hard one, really hard. Um, but I have gone with Nagayama based on just, he just looks so good in Paris. Just looks so, yeah. so yeah, so dynamic and explosive and just, yeah, big thrower. I think he went behind in one of his fights or maybe he went in front and then it got leveled up. But anyway, just responded really positively. Just looks, yeah, just looks very strong. Um, and I think Takato went to the last games in an amazing form. Um, and at the games, just looked a little bit nervous and got he got bronze. But for him, at that point in time, he'd been so dominant in the category that bronze was probably a disappointment. Um, so maybe that was a bit of pressure. Who knows? So maybe it's maybe that was a sign that you know give Nagayama. Definitely, but I've put him in. I think he won the Masters as well, um, September. So yeah. What yeah. So I. I I have Nagiyama as as the number one. I think um, looking at the world's results, I think he, I felt he was a little bit harshly done by. Yeah. Um, and in every other contest I've seen him in, he has looked dominant, with the exception of his his uh, matches against Takato. Yeah. But um, either one. I think could we could be talking about Olympic champion, but I I would go Nagiyama as well. Do you think either of the well the one younger boy uh, Koga mm. has an outside shot? If either of the top two take an injury or um, have a series of bad results, I haven't seen that much of Koga actually, so I'll be speculating. Um, yeah, but I think that there's certain categories where there's players low on the ranking list. And Japanese players that I would still say that's the player that I would look at. I wouldn't say so sixties. I would say I think those two are quite far ahead. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of him. So I mean, what 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 are your thoughts? No, totally. It was it was more because he's recent junior world champion. He's come through. He's done very well at senior level. But again, I think the two uh, we've discussed are so far ahead of you know. The rest of Japan, but also most other players in in the world, there has to be one of those two. Yeah. Which nicely is, I think, is a similar situation to sixty six. Yeah. Um. Personally, I'll I'll call this one first. I'm gonna go with. I think it should be Mariyama. Okay. Um. Obviously, he's the more recent world champion. I think he's lost their last head-to-head match. Um, but I think he looks more comfortable fighting fighting uh, international players. Yeah. I think Abe has to work harder against some of those guys. Yeah. It's really close in this category, isn't it? Um, mm. They're quite different players as well. Mari- Mariama's sort of He's only got really one or two things, but he's absolutely dynamite at them. Um, it's a left hitch matter. This is a big, big thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I like real stuff from that. Where he comes in is just amazing. But um, I've gone for Abe. Okay. You're making me second guess myself a little bit now. <laughs> mainly for that reason, like I think 
and this is nothing, no criticism because they're obviously both unbelievable players. But Merriam's a little bit more predictable. Um, okay. And maybe given that it's the Olympic Games and everyone builds up to it and prepares and has that time to sort of go into a bit more in depth with the analysis, maybe they'll sort of figure him out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So, but either way, like both unreal players. I think, but it's the Italian Lombardo's beat Abbe, is it twice now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's beaten twice, I think he beat him once, but I, I saw him fight the oh, Hungarian, I want to say, at the weekend, Yeah. Um, who kept taking that, uh, I think it's the right fight, big Georgian grip over the top, Okay. and it just caused him, I think, was it not thinking the right fight, just caused him all kinds of problems, it went deep into golden score, and yeah. uh, um, of the two, I think he is more... Beatable, but he works harder, so be interesting. Okay, you may, you may be right because I think that I mean, I didn't, I didn't see this fight that you're talking about, but I saw the fight where Lombardo beat him, uh, yeah, a while ago now. And I think actually Lombardo exposed that quite quite a lot in that fight because he literally yeah. straight over the top pulling him down. And I think, yeah, Abe really struggled with it, so maybe, yeah, maybe that's something that other players have sort of figured out now, and yeah, maybe that's why he struggles more. Excellent. 73s. There can only be one, surely. Yeah, there can only be one. I mean, what an unbelievable team they've got at 73. Oh. You just look at Ono and how just how dominant he is. Um, he just has to be Ono. You've got Hashimoto as your backup, which is just ridiculous. But um, Ono just looks more unbeatable than he did going into the previous games. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. No, the the same. I think. I mean, yeah, he's like the Terminator, isn't he? There's yeah. no one that looks like they can come close, and I don't, I don't know his international record, but I would struggle to remember the last time he lost to a, uh, an international player. Whereas obviously Hashimoto, um, a couple of years ago, lost to Anne in the final of the worlds. Yeah, which. If you're talking about a home Olympics for Japan, where they are looking to rack up not just medals but gold medals, um, you've got to go with the guy who everyone sees is unbeatable. Not the yeah yeah like the the last time I remember him losing, which was when I was still competing. Um, I'm <laughs> oh, it must be a long time ago. It must be like it was against uh, I think the North Korean. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. North Korean against I think he foot swept him, sort of twitched him and foot swept him. And then I remember when this was again when I was competing, he used to lose sometimes through fitness. He used to get tired. And right. It was um Kashpatar beat him through just you know, just dragging the fight out and just putting pressure on at the end. But wow. he never now he never looks tired. Yeah. <laughs> His one maybe slight weakness is, you know, he just yeah, completely all round so looks, good. Did you ever go on the mat with him? He looks so no, never, physically strong. Yeah, as yeah. you know, he, he never he doesn't fight at pace, but he looks like he's great at just creating tension. And then, yeah, I don't know. He's just he looks so much physically stronger than everyone he comes up against. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's incredible. I think if I was, I did a uh, did put a few bets on in the last Olympics. Yeah. He'd be like one of the ones that I would definitely go for again. If I'm looking across all the categories, from all the he's countries, a, 
is the one that he'd pick. So is he the closest thing to being a banker at the moment in the men's? I think he probably is. Yeah, he probably is. I'm trying to think yeah. other categories. Probably he is, yeah. 81s huh? could go anywhere. 90s as well. Like, although I said how impressed I was with the Australia. Uh, really, I think there's, he's not unbeatable. Um, yeah, I think Ono is probably the, the closest thing. We've, okay. seen, uh, we've seen Teddy lose now, so... That takes. I know. I, I again totally. I think that's that is a good shout. Teddy has looked vulnerable and then has lost, and he obviously would be money in the bank. I think if you were betting on the last Olympics, if you didn't have him on your uh, uh, your, your ticket, you're foolish. Um, the women's is a little bit different, but in the men's, I think you know. Oh no! Is is the is the man to beat? Yeah. Pound for pound, as they'd say in boxing. Yeah. Um, moving up to eighty ones, then this I think this becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah. You went for Nagase. Yeah, for me it's got to be Nagase. Just from just watching them fight, I mean they've all got good results. I think Nagase has been more consistent. He hardly fought in the first year. I'm not sure why, but in the second year he's won. I think he won everything he's fought. He might have lost. Uh, he lost uh, actually he lost on the weekend. Um, he lost first fight at the weekend, yeah, didn't he? First fight at the uh, weekend. Um, I didn't see that, so yeah, I didn't watch a lot of <laughs> Didn't see it, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Didn't didn't see it, doesn't count. Um, but yeah, I just I just love his judo. I think he's from fighting him. He's just he's he's, he's such a good judo player. Um, Fujiwara, different player again, like powerful, more kind of explosive, but just I mean. Limited, you can't use that word with any of these guys, but a bit more limited, I'd say. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think, um, yeah, I think Fujiwara is probably a banker for a medal, but okay. if you want someone who's going to win the event, I don't think he's your guy. I think Nagase is much more likely to be. Um, Top in the podium. Yeah. If you will. Um, Just going on to Dusseldorf to see who beat um, Nagasi. Because I hadn't seen. Let's have a look. Uh, he lost to... Oh, he lost to the Georgian. He lost to Grigalashvili. Oh, Grigalashvili. Oh, well. Uh, Again, yeah. potentially, though, that, that causes problems. Because the Georgian is definitely going to be in around the medals. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then Nagasi beat one... Did he win? Did he win Osaka? Yeah, I think he won a sack in the one. He threw in the final, didn't he? One, yeah, one Brazilia Grand Slam. Yeah. One Real, one Zagreb. Um, yeah. So. Interesting. I think, yeah, I... I don't want to agree with you, but I'm going to. I think he's more <laughs> likely to get a gold medal, but I think he's also someone who might not medal at all. Um, whereas, yeah, Fujiwara, I think, will be on the medal sheet regardless, but is a little bit less likely to top that top that podium because I think, as you kind of referred to, he's a little bit less less exceptional. That's not that's not really fair, but um, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. They they went with um, Fujiwara at the the World Championships, didn't they? Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe yes. they'll they'll have to make a decision soon. I don't think 
they like they like to pick early, don't they? Japanese. Yeah. Oh, do they? Okay, give them yeah. plenty of time to prepare. Yeah. Okay. So ninety kilos, another tight one, and another one where they haven't got anyone who's a definite Very world tight. beater. This is probably uh, their, their their weakest category in the men's. I mean, they got obviously they got silver in Paris, so they're not weak. But yeah. Um, Again, I, they've got yeah a lot of very strong. I think they've got four in this category yeah. that you could go to. Um, but like you say, not none of them. Uh, there's none that. There's none that I would say would win win the games. Okay. Where well actually there's one there's one who won the last games. Yeah, Baker. You can yeah. see Baker coming back and. That's my outside. That's my sort of wild card. I mean, I don't know his situation if, if he's been injured or, or what. Yeah. But he's not fought much, um, and I think yeah, he, I've got him as like an outsider to come through. Yeah. Uh, just because he's got that pedigree, whereas the others haven't haven't got that level of pedigree. Yeah. Mukai Silver at the Worlds. So yeah. yeah, Nagasa Bronze at 2018 Worlds, Mukai Silver 2019, Morale was Junior World Champion, I think, in 2018. Oh, no, Junior World Silver. You know, so again, they're all, yeah, potential medalists, but haven't done it on the big stage yet. Who's, who's your call? I'll go Nagasawa. I do think Nagasawa's, I think, an exceptional player, and I was disappointed with his performance in the final in Paris because I thought he'd been absolutely magic all day. I'm going to go for... Yeah, and that, that, that was one... Um, actually, chatting to Andy Burns about that, how good he'd been all day. He'd oh. been un- unbelievable. And then Shredos Philly just, just killed him. Yeah, like... So just showed how good he is. Um, it was, Yeah, to the, ex- to the extent that you... I don't know, I thought... Nagasawa felt like he was going to walk through it, possibly off the you know off the back of his performance for the rest of the day, but then and, and then didn't get started, and uh, the Spanish lads uh, murdered him. Mm. Which I will was, agree with you though. I will go with Nagasawa as the safe bet. Um, oh. but my outsider is Baker. Depending on the situation, um, yeah, know the story there, but. Obviously, it was so good going into Rio, um, and yeah, around that period. I thought it was interesting you thought 90s was the weakest division, because I think at the moment, 100 kilos is their weakest division. I don't, they've got, they've got three or four, three athletes who might win a medal, but they've got three athletes there who could come away with nothing at the games, and I, I think in every other category, you're looking at medalists. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's one of those where actually probably 90 and 100 where yeah. you can't see them winning the games with any of those yeah. players. Um, 90s, yeah, more. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, actually. Maybe 90s is more chance of meddling, but you just can't see them winning it. Yeah. Um, 100s, difficult one to pick. I think Wolf and Hagger are quite close. Yeah. Uh, probably just Wolf based on, I think he got silver at the last Worlds, bronze at the last Worlds. Bronze at last Worlds, champion in 2017. Yeah. Um, Hagger's Olympic bronze, but world champion in 2015. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is a bit of time. You've got the... What's the young lad called? Who's He's got like three Grand Slam golds and um, Leader or Ida. Ida, yeah, Ida. Ida. Yeah. 
and one that I haven't seen much of, but yeah, young player, big result. Yeah. Um, Again, I, I, I've not seen much of him either, and he, I think he's like top fifteen on the world ranking, but he hasn't got a major result. Uh, he's got three Grand Slam bomb, uh, gold medals, but I meant by major result, I mean a world title or a world medal to his name. But yeah. you think Wolf ahead of Hager? I'll probably go Wolf, but not a lot in it. Maybe it's one where they'll go with a young player because they don't see that either of them are sort of gold yeah. medals. Um, but I would say Wolf, just just based mainly based on based on the ranking list, still written Masters, um, most recent world medal. Yeah. Uh, but I think I would not be surprised if they went a bit of an outsider and went for the, the young boy. Oh, okay. Interesting. What about I I can't see them picking Hager despite did he win he won Osaka didn't he um, which kind of rejuvenated his Olympic hope but I think he loses to too many of the other fighters in the top 40 and he could have someone in first round who upsets him whereas Wolf I think is much more likely to take a medal I just don't think he can he can win, like you say. Um, so I'm going to go Wolf as well. All right, so we're mostly oh, this... so far, mostly. We've been quite civil about this. Yeah, this is a lot less exciting than I thought it would be. I thought it would be uh, <laughs> all over the show. <laughs> um, but for the final, I think we might have a bit of a different opinion. Yeah. So yeah. I am going to go, I'll, I'll put it out on the line there. I'm going to go Harasawa. Okay. And who who do you reckon? It's really difficult because Harris, like Kagura, has lost a lot of fights. He's, yeah. and there's a few players that have beaten him, um, but he's beat Teddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what they've been trying to do for the last ten years, and they've finally done it. Um, I don't think he's got particularly. Has he got close to beating Teddy Harasawa? I think he pushes him, but he's an, he's another fighter like Kapalik or Toshishvili who looks good against him, and then the next time they fight, um, Teddy just does a little bit more. Mm. widens the gap a little bit but having said that I agree I think Harasawa potentially beats everybody else I, he he beats he beat Kapalek I think he, I've not seen him fight to Shishvili but I can I can see him beating every other fighter he doesn't lose to a Henk he doesn't lose to um, Maya, any either of the Brazilians I think he wins those fights whereas Kagura is I think is a, is very similar to a lot of heavyweights the Japanese have had in recent times. Um, I'm I'm thinking who's the the big guy who went to twenty in the run up to like twenty fifteen. He was oh the tall really tall guy. Yeah. Shina yeah. I can't say his name. Yeah. 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 Um, there's been him there's been one or two others who look really dynamic but they also lose to some of the guys lower down the rankings because they're maybe not physical enough um, yeah. at heavyweight yeah it's, it's it's totally different players isn't it Harris yeah. Bowers you're sort of your safe bet for a medal you've yeah. been there and done it and you, you can probably count them to be in, a, in and amongst the medals Cagrera's you know, quite quite small, like short, the category. Uh, yeah. A bit more sort of based on his, his feeling for judo, so like 
you know, the way through Teddy was a good, good example of that. Yeah. Uh, not so dominant to go out and sort of be able to impose his fight on, on all those different players. Yeah. So maybe it's what they're looking for. Maybe they're accepting that their you know, medal's good enough or do they go for somebody who's sort of done, done the impossible but also been less consistent? Um, oh, oh, I don't... Yeah, cool. Adam Hall just worked, walked in actually. Oh, yeah, James Austin, I'm on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, come on, don't be sad. How are you doing, mate? You're right. Well, yeah, it's Monday, so yeah, it's good as could be. <laughs> Walking in at uh, what time are we on? Half, half past twelve. That's uh, that's a good Monday, I think. We don't finish. We, we, we don't finish. Sunday. We, we, Sunday. we don't finish till <laughs> Adam, your your category, hundred kilos. Who, who would you pick from number one from Japan and who's your shout for the Olympic gold? So we've gone for Wolf over Hagger. So you go Hagger over yeah. Wolf, and then would you who would you have down for your uh, apart from Ben Fletcher? Huh? Obviously Ben Fletcher, but Olympic silver behind. No, no, he, he likes himself very much. <laughs> <laughs> If uh, people are listening, they don't know Ben. Ben trains out of Bath. He's uh, trains out of Bath. He's been there for a long time now. I went Coral. Coral. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, no, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, the Korean. I, do you know what? That's a really good shout. That is a really good shout. It's a bit of a safe one because he's world champ, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not someone you think of uh, like a lot of the time. It's easy to think of. The Israeli, the Dutch lads, um, Lipper to Liani, because I don't think he comes out that much. No. no you've got no. Fonseca, you've got all them, but I think he's, he's, a, he's a difficult person to beat. Do you think Fonseca, James, will deliver at that level again, or do you think that's a bit of a one-off for him, world champion? Oh, um, I fought him in one of my last events before retiring, and he gave me the... Oh, he murdered me. You know, and I think very highly of myself. <laughs> um, he was an absolute nightmare for me. I can't, I can't see him doing it at that level. I can see him, I can see him upsetting people, um, ruining a few people's day because of how dynamic he is. But I think uh, some of the guys aren't afraid to make it a little bit messier, like the Russian, the Damian. Um, yeah, so I think they beat him. Yeah. I think he's so physical and explosive, but if you find somebody that can match him on that, and it's yeah. a, little more, a little bit more sort of higher fight IQ and a bit bit more conditioning, then he struggles. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, everyone knows how to beat him, but can you do it? Can you weather that storm? Which isn't, isn't as easy as it sounds. <laughs> um, right, mate. So who are we saying? We haven't, we haven't agreed though. Who are we saying at overs? Who are you saying? You're saying Harisawa. Harisawa, without question, because I think Kagura loses. I, I can't see Kagura getting a medal. He yeah, might be in the first round, but then he loses every time to Kapalik. He loses um, to Henk. He loses to uh, Mora or Silva, whoever the Brazilians go with. He loses to Damian, I think. Um, not a Damien, the Russian Tassiev. Tassiev, Tassiev, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends what they go for. I think you're probably right. I think they'll. It's more of a 
for them not getting a medal is uh, would, yeah. would be a, a disaster. Um, how how could you not go for Harasawa after the last World Final when he just got pipped by was it it was Kapalik who pipped him? Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? That's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. So what's what's your team? You've got I've got Nagiyama, Nagiyama, Abe, Abe Ono, Nagase, Nagasawa, Wolf, and I will I will say they probably will pick Harasawa. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, Interesting. I'd, like, I'd like to see somebody push Teddy. Um, and if they pick Harasawa, probably I would say he won't be Teddy. But, yeah, I think they'll pick him based on just consistency. Yeah. So you've got... I've got Nagiyama, Mariyama, Ono, uh, Nagase, Nagasawa, Wolf and Harasawa. Okay, so we we disagree at sixty six. Um, yeah, that's it. Sixty six. Yeah, apart from I that, think pretty much. I think I think they could pick an entirely different team and still come away with you know four golds, four Olympic golds from that team. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty scary team, isn't it? Sixty, sixty six, seventy threes, and I think. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say eighty ones. I think they're eighty one I think the gas is gonna do it, I'm gonna go for it. Okay, cool. And then when are we gonna arrange these fights between you picked anyone that puts left hand on, didn't you? Congrats <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> to the Germany training camp, a few of them should be there. <laughs> you get me you get me an invite and my, my flights uh, I'll be you know I'll get there good. as a training partner. Good for about thirty five <laughs> seconds. You can be Ben's training partner for the camp. <laughs> Jesus. Right. I've had enough. I've had enough shoeings from Ben to last me a long time. So uh, no, thank you. Um, right. When's he out next? By the way, when's he fighting next? When is he fighting? He fought in Dusseldorf this weekend. Um, yeah. I'm not sure off the top of my head actually. Um, I know he doesn't doesn't want to do the Masters if he doesn't have to. Okay. Um, yeah, obviously Europeans. I think Morocco. If I'm correct. Is it Rabat? Is Rabat coming up? Yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, I think that might be next to him. But um, yeah, not, not, it's still Ben is still working with uh, with Jurgen a lot. I'm um, not sure if you know. Oh, is that. he? But yeah, Jurgen's retired now from Team Bath. He's moved back to Germany. Yeah, um, but he's still working um, with sort of directly with Irish Judo, I, I guess you could say. Um, so oh, okay. yeah, it's quite with um, Ben and Megan. With Ben and Megan, yeah. So he he was out in Düsseldorf. Um, coaching in the chair and he'd been at the camp he was in Paris as well so um, fantastic yeah. before we finish I've got one other question for you go on so the British men took one player to Paris yes obviously Ashley yeah um, women's team obviously a lot stronger we've got you know a lot of world medalists or people high on the world rankings in the women's team mm-hmm. but my question is do you think Athletes should get the opportunity to self-fund a Paris trip. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, um, I mean, especially if you look at the athletes that we've got that, that weren't allowed to. Um, so you could say you want to. I, mean, I think it makes sense to put a standard on it, especially in a country like GB where there are a lot of players who are genuinely trying to get to the top level. So you don't just want to let anyone in. Just, you know. um, but I think that level, like. 
a bit too much at the moment. So we've got, for example, or it's too, not not too high, it's just too rigid. It needs to be sort of on a case-by-case basis because yeah. people might not be high in the ranking list, but there might be reasons for that. If they've demonstrated that they can perform at that level, then you have to give them the opportunity. You can't. I, I, I wouldn't say that it makes sense to stop them having the opportunities. And um, one that springs to mind is uh, Fraser at 90s. I think he got fifth at the Europeans last year. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like, he's he struggled in terms of his consistency, less than what he would want. But he still showed that he he's on that level. Um. So it just I don't see what we lose um by letting these people fight, especially if you know you can make the argument of of cost. But if they're funding it themselves, then I don't. I just don't understand it to be honest. Um, I think there has to be some kind of level for a country like like GB because you want to maintain kind of your, I guess, integrity on that stage. Um, but yeah, I just don't think that. The, totally. Yeah, the current situation just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. With Olympic year, we've got people willing to sort of put everything into it and pay their own money who are who are good enough, um, and we're not letting them do it. And it's a shame. I think real big shame. What are your thoughts? I I know I think totally I think it's a real shame that they're not letting uh, athletes have the opportunity to fund those competitions. Um, I agree I agree to some extent to some degree about putting a level on it. Um, personally, I would like to see the winner of the British Trials be given mm-hmm. Paris or be given the opportunity to self fund Paris. Yeah, and then they can take they can take two in each weight, I think, and um, you could then can they take two in each weight or is it just two extras? Is it like the worlds? No, no, Doesn't... no. I'm pretty sure they can take two in each weight. Yeah. Yeah, so I I'd like to see they could select a player to go, um, but then the winner gets the opportunity if they're not selected just to, to self fund, and I think that adds value to the British trials. Massively. I think it's a it's a such a close event, you know. It's cheap to get to. I think there is a responsibility as well for coaches, not for coaches, but for the British team to give players an ex- that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we've not had an Olympic champion, so what else are we giving to the players and the opportunity to fight all around the world um, is great i think paris is such a unique event it's such a unique experience that not many people will ever have the opportunity to do um i think it'd be a great experience to offer that opportunity out and i think you it it would set a bar regardless because i think the british championships the british trials would Rise in quality, rise in quality as a result because there'd be that much more on the line. Yeah, and I definitely think that there is a big benefit to exposing people to that level who yeah. aren't at that level as well. Like people that win the British Championships, if they get the chance to go, they see what it's about and they that, that might, you know, first of all, inspiration, but just sort of just education around it as well to see definitely. how much is out there and how much further they've got to go. It might not mean they ever actually reach that level where they're meddling at that stage, but they'll still potentially get further than they would have in that race of low overall. And I think I also agree with what you're saying about the British trials. We really need to try and find a way to add value to that event because I think there's a, there is a feeling that amongst a lot of players that they, they, they know they don't really get much off the back of it. So yeah. 
almost not what's the point because it's still great to be British champion. Um, it's a huge thing, but we need to add a bit more to that. Yeah, and again, it, it wouldn't add any cost if you say so. It's it creates that self-funding opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know that that comes back to the player, and if people don't want to take it up, I understand that. But it gives yeah. it. You know, it, it lets you see how big judo is outside of Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, your friends and family can go. You're how sat in you... a crowd of ten thousand people. Yeah, yeah. How how would you sort of have you thought about how you would manage that in terms of if you're the team manager and you've got sort of three or four people who are in medal contention at that level and they've got you know really sort of strong routines of what they do at competitions and you've got a real good culture there and you want to maintain that but then you've got you might potentially have a big range of players say British champions who first tournament away from the UK even it could be the case and you've got sort of would you would you look at having almost your your selected team is not 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 separate but would you run it as almost two different teams or have you thought about that side of it Ah, interesting no I've not given that for any consideration whatsoever (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, think I I don't think it changes much. I really don't think it changes much because I think the people who go, certainly from the women's side, where you have that situation where there's two or three or four people in contention, I think it's the same players. There's not um, if we, if we're looking at fifty seven, sixty threes, fifty twos, seventies, seventy eights, you know, those players might be getting pushed by. Uh, people lower down the British rankings but they're in the top 10 in the world if people are beating them at home it'd be great for them to have an opportunity as well and then you've also got that other space for the team to make the selection it could could be a way as well to get a little bit more buy-in from those players who aren't getting selected you could could say that you have to win the trials and you have to attend all the squad trainings and x amount so then you've got players who maybe aren't top level but you know they've got commitment you know that they've already sort of integrated a little bit the team so you don't have that because what you don't want is somebody coming from nowhere winning the british trials terrible behaviors really bad influence turning up you know suddenly drop them into the middle of the team and it creates it just ruins the sort of vibe around performance but do you think that could happen how realistic does that happen as in they they might not be a part of the the british setup they might not be buying into the british program but if they're going to do that if they're going to come in and win the british trials with the level of players we have at the moment and i know it's been different 10 years ago in some of the uh, more extreme weight categories. I'm thinking, ten, twelve years ago, in the plus hundreds, we maybe didn't have the depth, and you might have someone coming along who you wouldn't potentially pick to represent the the country. But I think across all the other weight categories, if they're not buying into the the British program, then they have to be buying into Camberley, Bath, uh, Scotland. Edinburgh, if you want to get more specific, Kendall. It's very unlikely that senior level, and with the rest of the top level players there, that you're going to get someone random coming through. You, you're right. It probably is very unlikely, and I definitely don't think there's anyone at the moment like that. Um, but I'm just thinking in terms of if you wanted to get more buy-in, which probably is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not saying. I mean, I'm. I'm 
all four of these, you know, all those centers I mentioned. I trained my whole career in one of them. Um, but you, you know, it benefits you to create some kind of team atmosphere. Um, yeah, of course. And it benefits everybody to sort of be at those squad trainings and, and get that randori with each other. So it is just a way that you could promote that. Um, Definitely. No, no, I like that. I think that's yeah, that'd be put, great. Put a, put a little bit more around it. I think we need to sort of get away from the culture of kind of. You kind of think of it as the carrot and the stick. Um, I think you need to use the carrot a little bit more. So yeah. if, if you do attend these, you have the, the right to selection or self-funding at X, Y, and Z. Not kind of, if you don't, then you're not able to be part of the British team or whatever it is. So, yeah, the language around it, a little bit more kind of encouraging, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think it's important that it is events like Paris or... Dusseldorf, you know, you know, potentially Tokyo, maybe not. I think Paris is is an experience, and I do think it's important that athletes get the opportunity to have that. Maybe maybe Georgia, you know, yeah, it's to see what judo can be, and then bring that back into the sport. And how how uh, would you? What about the situation? Say, would you? Because I think this is a good idea. Just think it needs thought around it. Because um, <laughs> you might have, you might have the situation where, I mean, I don't think I'd win the British trials right now. But <laughs> you know, somebody like me or you comes back, has a really good day, whatever, wins the British trials, and then and, and we're th- I'm 34. I'm not I'm not going to be going to the, any Olympic games. Um, <laughs> but maybe there's a younger player underneath. Like, how would you handle that in terms of? Would you say there's an age? cap or is it kind of first refusal to to a younger player or do you know what I mean because another thing you don't want is that people get blocked in terms of their development why I don't why does it present an issue we're, we're not talking about every single tournament we're talking about one tournament we're talking about oh, okay. Paris and only Paris and I, I chose Paris um, because it as a self-funding opportunity, it's relatively cheap to get there. It is an experience. Like, it's not just another tournament. Um, I chose Paris ahead of Dusseldorf because Paris is an experience. You get yeah. a crowd there. Um, it's viable for your friends and family to go. Um, Could have chosen Tokyo. But again, yeah. as a self-funding, that immediately shuts doors to people with who don't have uh, financial support potentially um i don't think it shuts the door to those younger players i think it just shuts the door for this one event and if you add the other criteria in as you were talking about as in they have to be a part of the british team they have to attend a certain number of camps they have to meet some of the behavior criteria that you want to 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 kind of fulfill yeah that team spirit um the team values, all that kind of thing. Um, I think you're relatively safe. I think, yeah. I think with me and you could, we should start training. <laughs> I I already am. I already am. I only fought in, I only fought in Paris once, so I would love to. Go Same. Back. <laughs> Same. It's an incredible experience, and and people say, talk about Paris all the time, and then you see that. We put a team in of of one one guy. I think it's an insult to the players like Fraser, like um, like 
Danny or Eric or at, at yeah. 73s. Like, whoever, like, um, Tasty at, at plus 100s, who's having a good goal. Yeah. Um, a couple of the younger ones are under 100s. Again, I'm not saying they're going to go there and they're going to shake up the world. But at the end of their judo career, they will come out and say, do you know what? I had an opportunity to fight in front of 10,000 people. Um, like, what is the cost? There's, if there's no cost, there can, only be yeah. sort of, there can only be a benefit, really. Of course. They are going to come back with a better level, better exposure. And even if, even if that doesn't mean that they get further, it might mean the player they're training with does, you know what I mean? So yeah. there, is, there isn't really a cost. Um, and then, yeah, there are ones in that group who are genuinely in qualification contention, so there's a massive amount to be gained. And there's enough other tournaments to give to your younger players coming through that they don't miss out on the developmental effects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Definitely not an idea that I would poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs, I think it just needs thought, because it's a little bit complex, just sort of singling out certain tournaments for certain groups, but it is actually having it at the moment the way it's nobody unless you're in this group definitely yeah. is the right answer. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's complicated. <laughs> it's a terrible idea, James. No, no, about it. It's not a bad idea at all, but it's it just needs to be defined. <laughs> um, because, yeah, like if you're singling out one tournament, you need to figure out is this exactly the right tournament and the knock-on effects. But definitely there's massive benefits to it and not a lot of downside um, so maybe you just, need to, you just need to get it right like whatever that looks like thought into it, get what it right. are you talking about it is right it that's is the plan right. let's stick to right. it we're doing Paris 2021 let's do it <laughs> I love that you think you're winning the under 81 kilo trials some of those young lads um, hey, hey, I didn't Stuart Lachlan I might have a good day you never know somebody might get in <laughs> I've got a not bad coach either you know Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it goes. Right. Tom, yeah. mate, as ever, it's a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Nice to speak to you. Take care, mate. You too. Speak soon. Bye-bye.